Good morning. Oh, we got to do better than that. You just couldn't see me yet. Good morning. Come on, you, so you would see the excitement on my face. We're one week closer to the fall. I may just do a fall countdown every week, so just be ready for it. Because summer is fine, but fall is where it's at, y'all. Come on, we know that. My name is Keegan. Like I said earlier, I am the lead pastor here at this location. I was gone last week filling in for Pastor Stephen over at our Harker Heights location. And I got to say this, Harker Heights is great, but it ain't home. Belton is home, and I missed y'all last week, and I am glad. And I know Pastor Stephen would say the same thing. He'll come over here, but there's nothing like him being at Harker Heights or Pastor Nathan being at Liberty Hill uh, because you just get attached to the people that you're, you're doing life with and you're serving with. And so I'm excited to be back. How did, how did Pastor Josh do last week? He did good. Come on, that's what I heard. He did good to kick us off in this exciting series about Ephesus. I'm going to dive into week two. We're going to talk about unity in the church. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about Membership U. For those of you that are, are new, maybe you've just started coming a, a couple weeks ago, a few months ago, and you haven't had a chance to come to our Membership U, I want to encourage you, come. It's going to be Sunday, August 6th at 1 o'clock. We provide food. Come on, that's enough reason to come right there. You don't got to worry about lunch on that Sunday um, and child care. But this is your opportunity to come learn all about who we are as a church, our mission, our, our values, uh, and most importantly, how you can be a part of all of that. And so you can ask questions. We're going to touch on our doctrine and all that kind of good stuff. So register today. Make plans because we got to make sure we have enough food for everybody that comes. Come on, nobody wants to leave hungry. You ever get invited to something and they're like, oh, there's food. And you get there and you're like, food for how many? Like, I'm hungry. I eat more than one taco. You know what I mean? Come on. Anyway, I like to have fun around here, too. We can be serious about God, and we can still have fun. Amen? All right, let's dive into this. We are in week two of our Ephesus series. Uh, last week, you would have gotten some context from Pastor Josh talking about how Paul wrote this around AD 52. He was in prison. And I said this over at Heights last week. Listen, you can put God's people in prison, and guess what they'll keep doing? Proclaiming the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Come on, if God's got a hold of your heart and you're all in to serve him and to worship him and to live for him, I don't care where they put you, you will still talk about God. Come on, we got a few people in here that might do that. But last week in Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, it said this, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished. Come on, say lavished. Come on, that's not just a little bit. God didn't just throw us a little, you know, drop here. No, he lavished this on us in the beloved one, in Jesus. And listen, predestined does not mean that, that you don't have a choice in the matter. Predestined just means that God already had a plan, right? God who sees, who's out of our time, sees the beginning from the end. So he saw that we were going to fall, that Adam and Eve were going to blow it in the garden. Once they had, they had, you know, with free will, they were going to choose something less than God. And he saw all of us going and doing the same thing. And, and we went and did likewise. But he had a plan because he wasn't going to settle for us just being lost and separated from him for eternity. He's like, no, I didn't make them to be separated from him. I made them and I made you and I to, to be with God. Right? I'll say this over and over. You'll hear me say it from time to time. That what makes hell so horrible is not the fire or the heat or the weeping or the gnashing of teeth, it is that there's no more opportunity to be with God. That's what makes hell so horrific. And that's why when you have breath in your lungs and you have an opportunity to make the choice to give your life to him, to accept what Christ has done for you, you want to do it. Come on, don't put it off. Get serious about God. Man, I already jumped to the end. 
John 3, 5 through 7, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Remember, uh, I believe it was Zacchaeus. Uh, it was him or Nicodemus. I get them all confused. But one of them was, asked Jesus, said, how in the world can I get born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb, right? It's not going to happen. It's anatomically impossible. But Jesus was speaking of something different. He was talking about his spirit. And he said, unless your spirit is made alive, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Look at this, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. And I'm going to show you how all this ties in because the church at Ephesus was having the same troubles that we have today. And that is they were starting to allow some mixing of the world's ideals and the world's theology, if you will, and the world's thinking to come into the church. And Jesus was saying, don't go there. Don't do it. Hold fast to the apostles' doctrine. Hold fast to what, what I've revealed in Scripture and what I've revealed while I was on the earth. That's what we need to hold on to. And so he was encouraging them in Romans, don't be conformed to this world. We have a choice, right? We can choose. Are we going to pursue God? Are we going to let our, our mind be renewed so that we think like God, so that we have the same response that God wants us to have, that he would have to the things that are happening? Or are we just going to go along with the world? You hear a lot about such and such church or such and such group of people getting woke, right? What is woke? It's simply the same thing they were dealing with in Ephesus. It's when you start to go along and mix in and even take on the world's ideals more so even than God's. But we're not going to do that. Look at your neighbor and say, we're not going to do that. Come on, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read our main passage this morning in Ephesians. We are in chapter 2, 1 through 22, and it says this, And you were dead. In your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. Come on, this is all of us. According to the ruler of the power of the air, that's another uh, terminology speaking about Satan. The spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of your flesh and thoughts. Any of you ever done that? Just carried out whatever your flesh told you to do. And we're by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, come on, say, but God, who is rich in mercy. Come on, he doesn't have just a little bit. He is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive. Say, made us alive. Come on, it's good. Faith comes by hearing. Some of you need to just get into a practice of reading your Bible out loud and letting your faith be stirred. Made alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Take a breath. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down uh, the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. We're going to talk about this. He did this so that he might reconcile both God in one body through, through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. 
he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Come on, you like that old song, Cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You may have a seat. There's so much there. We could stay on that for weeks, but we don't have weeks. So we're going to try and get through and pull out some of the, the meat from this, uh, some of the richest parts. We're going to talk about unity of the church. Number one, we were once dead in our sin. Look at this again in Ephesians 2, 1 and 5. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, saved by grace. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. You know, that's the beginning of coming to Christ, is understanding your need for him. You cannot really know Jesus until you understand your need for him. Because you'll never put him in his rightful place until you understand who he is and your need for him. So many people are walking around thinking, I'm just a good person. I'm not dead in my trespasses. I haven't shot anybody recently. Come on, we really have convinced ourselves in so many ways that we're pretty good. You know, we don't lie that much. We don't speed that much. You know, I, I, I'll go five over the limit. I'm just confessing to you. I, I, I speed a little bit. But we think to ourselves, I'm not that bad. I'm not really dead in my trespasses. That seems really intense. But we are. Spiritually, we are dead until Christ comes into our life and makes us alive. And can I, I just want to remind you, the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ, his Son. The only way is through accepting his gift. We just read, it's not something we can accomplish or get to on our own. It is only by his grace through faith that we get there. I'm fired up. This is only point one. Everything above hell is by God's grace. This is something Pastor Stephen says a lot. I love that. Everything. Romans 6, 4, and 5 says this. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Come on, God wants us to walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's a lot of Christians who, even after they're born again, forget to do this part of walking in newness of life. I shared last week, and, I, and we got to the point about, uh, about how you're made, you're made new, right? You've got to really believe that. You've got to step into it. Does it mean that all of a sudden you're perfect the moment that you get saved? No, but it means that you're alive in Christ, and now where you were a slave to sin, you now no longer have to be a slave to sin. Now you have the actual ability and power to overcome sin. Why? Not because of your own strength. Not because you're like Tommy Hodges and you can get it on or, or Ham and you can get it on at the gym and bench houses and cars and whatever. No, it's not that kind of strength. It's that spiritually you have the, 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 the one who's risen from the dead residing in you. Man, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to wake you all up this morning. Resurrection power actually lives inside of us. You have to believe it. Come on, God has made this available to us, but if we don't grab a hold of it and say, yes, God, it's to no effect. 
but walk in that newness of life. Some of you need to, need to forget about your past. Again, I said this last week to, 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 in Harker Heights. I said, why are you holding on to your past if Jesus doesn't even hold on to it? Walk in newness of life. i got to keep going. we got a lot to cover. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? I believe it's Romans 6, 21, 2. says, what joy uh, do you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? Come on, there were things that we did in our life before we came to Christ that we would brag about, right? Come on, you know what it's like, some of that locker room talk, oh yeah, I've been with this girl and I've been with this girl and I've been with that girl, come on. But once you get saved and once you understand how terrible that was, you're now ashamed of it. It's nothing to brag about. But that only happens when you begin to see things the way God sees things. Lord, help us. Once dead to sin, now we are dead to sin. And that doesn't mean that we're going to live perfect, right? This side of heaven, we are not going to be perfect. But we need to be committed in this process of sanctification where now every single day we want to be more and more like Jesus. That is the goal. We are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Look again at Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. And seated us with him in the heavens. Now, does this mean that we just got teleported or transported up to heaven no because I'm seeing you sitting right here right now but what this means is that our place in Christ is in the heavenlies right the one who has all authority has now even given us authority in him not our own authority but we are now able to exercise his authority in this earth I mean do you realize how bad you are as a believer like people are always looking, they watch all these superhero movies, and they just want to be tough, and they want to be able to come on the scene and just take out bad guys and do all this stuff. Do you know you can do that in the spirit? Oh, some of you are going to start believing me. You stick around here long enough, I'm telling you. There's not an atmosphere that you walk into that you can't change. You got to know, I'm carrying the spirit of God. The Bible says that the, I'm the dwelling of the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me and so when I go into a room and it's kind of funky in the air and and something just seems a little off guess what I can speak to that and I can change that atmosphere I can tell that darkness to go and I can start praising God and I can start commanding some things we're going to get into a series on spiritual warfare later this fall and, and I'm telling you it's going to be it's going to be powerful because some of you don't even realize and, and it's okay. Maybe you've never been taught this. Maybe you've not discovered this yet. But some of you have no idea the authority that you're actually called to walk in. You don't have to tolerate the junk that you're tolerating in your house right now that's happening in the spiritual realm. You are not powerless to it. This is a great message. Take a look at what <laughs> Timothy says in 2 Timothy. I'm getting myself re-excited about God's word. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, don't you know that we will judge angels? Look at this. In fact, the word saints that Paul uses nearly every time he is writing to other Christians literally means holy ones. See, one of the things that you'll see throughout Scripture is this concept that while Yahweh, God, is the most high, he also works through heavenly and spiritual beings to accomplish his purposes. Sometimes we're, uh, these are called angels or sons of God, heavenly hosts, holy ones, or watchers. And God puts us in that same category in our standing with him. Does that make sense? And this is why you're like, I don't know why that's important. I'll tell you why. 
Because if you understand your identity, you'll, you'll act a little differently. Come on, if you walk around and you, and you have this identity that you're defeated and that you're powerless, guess, guess what you'll see in your life? Defeat and powerlessness. And this isn't a self-help message. This is about understanding in Christ, we are joint heirs, the Bible says. We are sons and daughters. Come on, I don't know any rich person that lets their kids be homeless or walk around in lack. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. I mean, they might, you know, the rich kids I was around, they drove cars nicer than most of the parents. You know, and they had, they had bedrooms and, and stuff that would blow some people's houses away. It's because they, they walked in their identity. And we have got to understand, because if we're going to walk together in Christ, we've got to understand what that means. We're going to talk about that more as this series goes on. Number three, we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, not from works so that no one can boast. No one can brag, well, I, I got saved. I was just living so good. God was like, yeah, I'm going to let you in. No, that is not how you enter into the family of God. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing you can do to impress God enough for him to let you into the family. No, it is a humbling of yourself. And coming to understand, God, I... I realize I had zero chance of getting to heaven apart from Jesus. I had zero chance of entering into your holiness, into your presence, into a relationship with you without Jesus Christ. That's why it's amazing when, when you see people who get real religious, you know, kind of look down on other people who, who they, you know, are newer Christians maybe, or they just don't get it, or they haven't walked with God as much. It's like, listen, how can you ever look down on somebody when, when you didn't earn what you got? I'm trying to act like you accomplished something. Like, should we give you a, you know, a cookie and a, and a little star or something? No, we should walk in humility, knowing every day, man, if it wasn't for him, I would not be where I am right now. And I would have no chance powerful God draws near to the humble and resists the proud you ever been there come on if you want God to draw near to you I'm telling you the first thing to do is humble yourself and it just meant God I need your help I need your presence I, I need you I don't even know what I need but I know I need you it starts with you come on there's, there's a lot of us we want to walk around and we want we, we don't want to look weak we don't want to look like we we don't have it all together Guess what? Everybody already knows you don't have it all together. So you might as well admit it to yourself and let God start to move in your life and start to be enough for you. We're saved by grace through faith. We're also, uh, Romans 3.27 says this, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by a law of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You know, they had, I think it was like 613 laws in the Jewish uh, law book. And, and, and it, it was set up to, to show you the, the depravity and the inability that you had to keep all the commandments. Right? It's to show you. The, the law was created to show us our need for God. And the Bible says that if you broke one of them, you might as well have broke all of them. Can you imagine getting up every day with a list of 613 things that you better not mess up? I mean, I had a list of like four things to do this morning, and I was like sweating it. 
Did I get the milk for the energy bar for my wife? Did I stop by and get the lemonade and the tea for the serve team leader? I mean, I had a few things on my mind, and I'm like, that was four things. Imagine your relationship with God counting on whether or not you can maintain 613 laws. You can't. And that was the whole point. For us to see that it was by faith. Such a beautiful thing. Number four, we are God's workmanship. I'm going to get you out of here on time today, I think. Verse Ephesians 2.10. This is a verse. If you don't have this verse memorized, I want to encourage you, memorize this verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I love that it talks about we. See, there's really three kinds of people in the Bible. There's Jews, the Jewish people, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And then there's the Gentiles. That's all the rest of us. And then, because of Christ, there's this new group of people called the church. And the church is comprised of, you guessed it, Jews and Gentiles. And they fought a lot about this in this first century. Because the Jewish people were like, oh, no, you're not getting in on our deal. And God was like, uh, hello, I made them too. And matter of fact, some of y'all aren't even, uh, you don't even value the fact that you're already one in the family. And it was because of the Jews and the Jewish people rejecting Christ that actually opened the door for all of us Gentiles to then become adopted into the family of God. So I'm glad they failed as a Gentile because I would not have had an opportunity to get in. Come on, we just read over this stuff, or maybe we don't, and that's why we, we just don't think deeply about what has been done for us to be able to be with God. It's powerful. Titus 2.14, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. And you know, a lot of people want to celebrate diversity. And here's the, here's the deal. We're already, we're, we're diverse, and it is beautiful. But what we should celebrate more than our differences is where we're the same, where we're in unity. And, and there's no greater unifier than the body of Christ than being in Christ. Because in him, it doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter if you had a dysfunctional family. Thank God for that. Doesn't matter if, if, if you feel like you're a failure. It doesn't matter if you're rejected by everyone else. None of that matters. Doesn't matter where, what neighborhood you grew up in. Everything that you can think of that the world likes to divide and compartmentalize, in Christ, none of that matters. What matters is, are you been, have you been born again? Are you, have you been adopted into the household of God? And in him, we're all one. It's powerful. Number five, we are reconciled to God and to each other. Looking back at Ephesians 2, 13, 16 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. See, God was trying to put an end even to, in that first century, the, the, the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. You had all the Jews, and I'm, I'll keep it PG, but you had all the Jews going, well, you're not circumcised. And Paul was like, they don't have to be. This is about circumcision of the heart. 
We're not going to haul them all down to the clinic and do some stuff. We're not doing that. It's not necessary. Thank God. Because some of them were older than eight days. That would have set a lot of employers back because their gentlemen wouldn't have been showing up for work. Anyway, that's too long of a tangent on that. The point is, God put an end to all of that. He was trying to get them to lift their thinking and to lift their view of each other higher. Do you know we should still do the same thing today? Again, I said this last week at Harker Heights. I said, why do we get so bent out of shape when we see the world act like the world? They don't know any better, just like you and I don't know any better until God shows us. Of course they're going to have sex outside of marriage. That's what you do when you're in the world and you don't know any better. Right? Of course they're going to experiment with all these drugs. And of course they're going to watch stuff that you wouldn't watch and talk how you wouldn't talk. They don't know what they don't know yet. we got to have grace. People are going to walk through these doors. And guess what? You don't have to walk through these doors perfect. I didn't walk through these doors perfect. But God loves you and he sees you right where you're at. And if you'll let him, he'll take it from there. And he'll start showing you the things in your life that you need to let go of, that you need to lay down, that you need to allow him to change. But, man, we got to walk in love. People are hating on the church, and what's the church's response? More times than not, it's just to hate back. Can I tell you, that's not getting us where we need to get. And I will tell you, as bold as anybody, that doesn't mean we compromise on truth. But, man, where is the love, church? I'm pausing for effect there. Let it sink in. Where is our love for this world? My Bible tells me that for God so loved the world, not the perfect, cleaned up, pretty, doing it all right world. No, the disgusting, broken, terrible world, sin-filled. And it was in that state that he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the price for them. We have got to not let this just be church knowledge that I just know and I don't do anything. It doesn't change how I live. Come on, when, is, when is, are these truths going to go from our intellect into our heart and cause us to just not be able to live the same? All right, I'll move on. Number six. First, let me give you this. Colossians 1, 21. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Do you know that's how God sees us? When we're in Christ, guess what? We're faultless, blameless. This is why the enemy can't, can't judge us when, in that final day. That's why we can come boldly before God's throne and have nothing to worry about. Why? Because we're not getting judged Based on our actions, we're getting judged based on our decision of whether or not we accepted or rejected Jesus Christ. And in him, we can stand boldly before God, knowing we got nothing to worry about. The Bible says he's, he's pushed our sins as far as the east is from the west, that he's washed us white as snow. This is exciting stuff. My goodness. Number six, we are citizens and members of God's household. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. 
Look at this, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race. Say chosen. chosen. Do you know it's better to be chosen than just needed? Right? It's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, I needed them. You know, some of you in your marriages, you know, listen, your spouse wants to know that you chose them. Not just, oh, yeah, I needed a wife, so you were it, you know. <laughs> Lame. No, it's, it's way more amazing when you go, oh, yeah, he chose me. And there's like three billion people on this planet. At least half of them are ladies. But he chose me and just me for the rest of his life? Come on, that's a big deal. It's not like God was up there going, oh, just, I guess I made him. I might as well just, you know, keep him forever. No, the Bible says that he chose us. For any, anyone struggling with, am I worth enough? Am I valuable enough? Listen, the God of the universe chose you. That ought to be enough to say, you know what? I don't care if everybody else rejects me. The one who made and hung the stars in the sun chose me. This is what we got to tell our young people. God chose you. I don't care if the head star football person chooses you. Ladies, it don't matter if the whoever, God chose you. Know your worth. And guys, too, you need to know your worth. You don't get your worth from how many girls you can go get around. I guess I'm hung up on this today because we're heading towards the fall and we're going to go back to school. And, but students need to understand that. Understand their worth, that God chose them. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, this goes back to our standing in Christ. We're a royal priesthood. We haven't even, that's a whole other message we could unpack. But you are chosen by God. If you remember nothing else walking out of here today, remember that. Number seven, we are built by the apostles and prophets. Ephesians 2, 20 and 22, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And Ephesians 4, 11 says this, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. See, we'll, we'll talk more about this in, in I think, chapter 4 when we get to it, but the idea is that we are built upon what God laid out that we should be built upon. This is why you got to hold true to what the Bible says. You can't just go off in the left field or right field on what somebody else's new interpretation of Scripture is, right? We are built on what Christ revealed to and through the apostles. That's why later in the letters they say, you know, continue to teach, continue to go back to what the apostles have written, what they've shown us. Come on, it's good to read books by people who, who died years ago. Some of us are so obsessed with, with new or we just have it so crammed in our face that it's the only thing we see is who's the newest person on the block who's, you know, spitting about uh, Scripture and telling you they got a new understanding and a new revelation. No. Go back to what God's been telling his people since, since the Bible days and up until now. What we've held on to, the tenets of our faith, if you will. And look at this, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. I want to let you out of here this morning. I'm done. And I don't have any fancy music behind me, so this isn't going to be an emotional decision. But I just want to encourage you. 
every service, we want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. To say, you know what? I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, that my sin has separated me from God. But I want to be near God. I want to be with him. And this whole message, I hope you can see the lengths that God has, has gone to to make us his very own. Whether you're Jewish in here today, whether you're not, and you're Gentile like me, you can be in the family of God. All you've got to do is be in Christ and surrender to him. Oh, that's nice. Has this been good this morning? Sometimes I just like to sit. You're like, sometimes you just stop and we don't know what you're doing next. I'm just hanging out, hanging out with God. Sometimes I'm just taking a moment just to listen in case the Holy Spirit has anything else he wants to tell us or tell me. I'm telling you, you are so loved. You are chosen, handpicked, crafted by God. There's not a mistake walking around on this planet. And I hope you know that this morning. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes. I won't belabor the point. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. It's very simple. It's just the genuineness of you making that decision and from your heart putting your faith in Jesus. Saying, I don't want to live for myself, God. I want to live for you. I'm going to ask you if you've never done that before and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or you want to rededicate your life because you have, maybe you've said that prayer or you've, you've lived your life a little bit for God, but, but now you've kind of faded and allowed him to just go to the back burner, but you recognize today you want to come back to him and surrender fully. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand on the count of three. No one looking around. We're not trying to embarrass you. One, two, three. If that's you today, thank you for that hand. You're never the only one. Thank you for those hands. The Bible says they're throwing a party in heaven when one person gives their life to Christ. It is the greatest decision any of us will ever make. I'm so excited. Andrea's going to come in just a moment and give you some next steps. So I just want to lead you in a prayer. And church, I'm going to ask all of you just to repeat this after me. And if you raise your hand today, just say this from, from your heart to God's. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to pay the price that I couldn't pay for my sin so that I could be with you. I ask you today to become my Savior and my Lord. I surrender my will and I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Hey, church.